Hey friends, welcome back to the Journal Feed. My name is Nick Zelt, and this is the only place to get spoon-fed the latest and greatest of emergency medicine. We are trying to keep you guys up in the literature, and to do that, we are willing to spoon-feed you all the latest research, everything through your earbuds. Now let's take a look at everything that we covered from this past week. First off, decompress but not from stress, from high atmospheric pressures, and it's actually quite dangerous. Usually it's from diving. Second, pulse ox for outpatient COVID monitoring. Is it helpful or just weird finger jewelry? Third, sure, we could focus it, but should we? Fourth, surgery or just casting after Achilles tendon ruptures? And then fifth, is it worth it getting all ramped up for intubation? Is there benefit to incline positioning? If you are hearing this, then you are not currently a Journal Feed subscriber and so will not be receiving the full Journal Feed podcast, only a portion of the past week's article summaries. Now, don't worry, I picked my favorites, but if you'd like to get full access to both the podcast and the blog, then you could consider becoming a member. All the details for that are at journalfeed.org. And remember, always remember, guys, that we don't ever want money to be a barrier to patient care. So if you're having any trouble affording a subscription, please get in touch. This is the audio version of the past week summaries, which this week were brought to you by the clever Aaron Lacey, Lillian Harry, Megan Hilbert, and Clay Smith. Okay, we're going to jump all the way to the third article this week. Titled, actually, well, there's two articles. Pocus, just because we can, it doesn't mean we should, out of the Journal of Academic Emergency Medicine. And the second article, Risk-Benefit Analysis of Pocus for Suspected Ruptured Aortic Aneurysm, again out of the Academic Journal of Emergency Medicine. Recent years have exploded for Pocus use, but data on improved outcomes eh, hasn't really kept pace. Overtesting is, of course, a huge problem that costs a lot of money and a lot of time. Could we be kind of overdoing it with POCUS? Now, there were two articles that we covered here. The first had a really catchy title and draws the attention to the potential harms of indiscriminate POCUS use in the emergency department, as well as some of its limitations. They used screening for asymptomatic AAAs as an example. Now, I personally have never seen anyone, you know, actually screen for an asymptomatic AAA in the emergency department. I know there are guidelines for this for primary care, but those are recommended as a one-time test for very specific populations, namely usually older males with the smoking history. So I'm not sure who's actually doing it, but it really doesn't sound helpful for us to be doing. On the other side of the coin, as in the second article, which is pointing out that scanning to answer a clinical question, well, this could be very useful. Like, if you want to see if your patient has abdominal pain due to a ruptured AAA, well, it would be irresponsible not to try to identify and treat a life-threatening diagnosis with a bedside test. So, these articles were meant to spark discussion, at least to think about your use of ultrasound. Any imaging modality is, of course, going to have false positives and incidental findings. So, just keep the kind of risk-benefit ratio in mind before scanning. We won't even go over all the vast overuse and inappropriate use of fast scans in stable patients. Uh, we'll probably save that for another day. In a spoonful, POCUS is popular, but not everything about it has demonstrated patient-centered benefits. POCUS should not be used for screening in the emergency department, but rather to answer specific questions. And then hop over to the fifth article. 
titled Effect of Inclined Positioning on First-Pass Success During Endotracheal Intubation, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis out of the Emergency Medicine Journal. Preparation, preparation, preparation is the key to successful intubation. We want maximum first-pass success. We know this because it improves outcomes and outcomes worsen with each attempt. A major part of preparation is positioning. Ramping your patient, that is putting them on an incline, could that actually improve your first-pass success? It's pretty easy to do, so it'd be nice if it did. These authors did a systematic review looking for studies which had outcomes related to intubation with patients who were supine or inclined. They found 10 studies to meta-analyze for a total of more than 18,000 patients. Now, what qualifies as inclined? Eh, any portion of the thorax that was at least 10 degrees higher than the pelvis. And then they also did a predefined subgroup analysis of patients inclined more or less than 45 degrees. Now, just placing a patient in the sniffing position, that does not count as inclining them. What they found was essentially nothing. Rates of first-pass success were the same as were complications. Now, does this tie the ribbon on the question? No, not at all. Most of these studies were low-quality evidence, and there were a lot of things that just couldn't be controlled for here. There's not really even a very clear definition of what it means to actually ramp your patient. And this is, of course, going to dilute any benefit that we might have seen otherwise. Not even isolating patients who were ramped more or less than 45 degrees showed benefit, though. Now, inclining your patients helps you, then I say go for it. But first, be sure to focus on things that we know improve the outcomes of RSI, like hemodynamic optimization and video laryngoscopy. In a spoonful, a systematic review and meta-analysis finds no difference in first-pass success if you incline or do not incline your patients for RSI. All right, let's do a quick wrap-up of everything we talked about. From the third article, POCUS is slowly becoming part of the standard physical exam. But we have to be careful. POCUS is much better than the classical physical exam. So we might actually find things if we do it on everybody. And not all the things that we find are necessarily going to need further investigations. So try to use POCUS like all other types of imaging. Not as a fishing test, but to answer specific clinical questions. And that brings us to the fifth article. It's a simple enough question to incline your patient for RSI or not. Unfortunately, the data is kind of messy. So far, this meta-analysis did not show benefit, though. All right, links to all the articles summarized can be found at journalfeed.org. And the newsletter, of course, remember, is the best way to make the podcast into a bite-sized nugget of space repetition. Now then, if you're feeling some FOMO, or you just like to hear more of my voice, then come on over and join the members feed. Our goal here is to provide better patient care through spoon feeding. And so we're trying to help you keep up with the latest research one spoonful at a time. Thank you.